Welcome to the Run Uni podcast with me, your host, Michael Levac from the Running School Austria. In this first series, we are going to break down the multiple aspects of running and human movement in order for you to get a better understanding of where opportunities lie to improve performance, longevity, and reduce injuries. Today on the show, we're breaking down running technique. In most sports, technique accounts for a massive portion of training, especially in youths. However, technique of running is all too often overlooked, even by high-level professionals and coaches. Today, we welcome Mike Antoniadis, the founder of the Running and Movement School and a world-leading expert in running and movement technique. We're going to have a conversation about the importance of good running technique and how it's possible to improve. Listen in and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or questions. This episode is sponsored by the Running School Austria Balance Beams. Running is 100% a single leg activity, so having badass balance is of vital importance to staying injury-free, strong and fast. Check out www.runningschool.at forward slash shop for more information. Welcome to the very first episode of the Run Uni podcast, and we are very delighted to welcome along Mike Antoniadis. Um, who's the founder of the, the Running School in London and the Running School Methodology. Um, Mike's been working with elite professional, recreational and young athletes from all different sports for how many years now, Mike? 1982, but professionally from 1994 as a business, yeah. Okay, so we'll say 40 years. <laughs> as of what it says on your back of your book, you've been working, you've worked with over 60,000 different people, uh, athletes and non-athletes of all ages over that time. So thank you very much for joining us on this. Um, it's great to, to have you on the first one, um, have the you know, we might be struggling to, to get guests better than you on the, on the podcast. Uh, so thank you, Mike. Welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, there's a lot of good people out there, I'm sure. Um, so we're going to start with you. You have the running school, the running and movement school. Um, what is good technique? This first word. Let's let's get into this as a running podcast. What is good technique and why is it important, Mike? Oh, <laughs> that's a because um, that's people with an easy one, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> if we look at why two things, right? So runners want to do always want two things. First, they don't want to get injured, and second, they want to get faster. I've never met anyone who says I don't want to get faster, and uh, the priority is for people not to get injured. So, if we look at what I say to people first and foremost, there's no such thing as perfect running technique. It doesn't exist because we're all different. We all have um, issues and previous injuries, right? But there is a perfect running technique for you as an individual and what you're trying to achieve. Um, so the first thing that we need to do is, is achieve less contact time with the ground, right? So we minimize the amount of time we spend on the, spend on the ground. Okay? And to do that, there is a certain way that our body as humans moves in both walking and in running. Okay? And that um, eliminates or minimizes the load that goes on from the foot all the way up to the shoulders. So first and foremost, running technique needs to be efficient. Okay. So it's pain-free, right? Unless you're pushing it 
for the nth degree. Um, and it needs to be fit in with what you as the individual can do, okay? Because we're all different. Some people want to run three times a week and want to shuffle along and are not interested in times and not interested in uh, distance. They're all they're interested in is how it makes them feel. Okay? And that's what running is all about. Um, and the second thing, which is um, linked to the first thing, is the less time you spend on the ground, the more time you're in flight mode. So the, the faster you are moving over the ground. Mm -hmm. So I, I say running is simple, right? You cycle your legs out, you move your arms, it propels you forward, right? but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Okay, Definitely. And, that's what takes, yeah, and that's what takes time to re-educate the brain and the nervous system and the movement patterns. Yeah, the amount of systems that are, are, are working hard, or especially when you're training during running is, is an incredible. If you break them down one by one, it's, 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 it's a complicated system. <laughs> especially if something goes wrong for many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are, I wanna get into some, some big points, first of all that a lot of people yeah. talk about, um, which I'd like you, if you could possibly do, just explain a little bit more about how, how important these points are and how important these big things are or, or not and, and, and what your thoughts are. So the first thing is um, overstride. Okay. Um, what is overstride and why is it bad or why is it good? And is a shorter stride better? That's good. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> overstride is when we land ahead of our center of gravity, um, whether we land in heel, toe, midfoot, or forefoot, um, and we cause a breaking action. Now, um, all runners overstride to a greater or lesser extent, right? Even elite athletes overstride when they get tired. Mm. But when you have overstride, and there's varying degrees of overstride, so when you're running with an almost straight lever, an almost straight leg, and you're overstriding, what you're doing every time you overstride is you're breaking, okay? You're collapsing down, you're spending a long time on the ground, and then you're restarting again. Yeah. Okay? And what, what you need to do is land three to four inches uh, ahead of your center of gravity. And if you look at the center of gravity, it's from, if you're standing, it's from the hip, coming straight down is a line that comes straight down, right? So you don't want to land underneath your center of gravity or you will go nowhere. So you want to land three or four inches ahead of your center of gravity, mm -hmm. right? So overstride is the most common uh, reason why runners get injured, yeah. okay? particularly recreational runners, yeah? But and also elite, elite runners. And this is whether you land on your heel or whether you land on your midfoot or forefoot, correct? Yeah, that's right. If you're if you're overstriding and you're landing, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about the myths that the only way to land is forefoot. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're overstriding and you're shuffle running and you're landing forefoot, you're still overstriding. You're mm -hmm. Still landing, you know, ten uh, to twelve inches ahead of your center of gravity. So you're you're still landing, uh, overstriding, and you're still breaking. Yeah. Right? So efficient running minimizes the amount of break yeah exactly um 
Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the the old four foot heel strike in a moment. Um, the next one is cadence. Okay, because yeah. this is ones that I definitely heard of. I wasn't working with runners until I was working with runners, but I definitely yeah. heard these things all the time, and I still see them. Um, I didn't get Instagram until I started working as a as a running and movement sort of physio. So my whole Instagram feed was just full of just running and stuff. So what I see, not what I see, a lot of what I see was just shorten your stride length, increase your cadence. And those are the two things that are just the, oh yeah, throw away comments, go and do that. Yeah. So what's, your, what's your kind of thoughts on cadence? Because I've, I read your blog and I've heard you talk about it before, but it's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, so um, let's first go back to have a look at, if you look at the internet, right, and there's a lot of what I call internet coaches. Right, which incorporates um, physios, osteopaths, chiropractors, sports therapists, right? Who dabble in a little bit of running, right? All run themselves. Um, and they've read somewhere that um, the ideal cadence is between 180 and 190 strides per second, per minute. That'll be fast per second. So 180 to 190 strides per second. A minute and and that is the advice that they give people when they want to correct their running technique mm -hmm. so two things one is running technique is not the way that your foot lands mm -hmm. and it's definitely not cadence right running technique is a whole range of things about changing movement maps in the brain and the movement pattern so if we look back to where all of this came from, right? And how suddenly everyone needs to be running 180 to 190 strides per minute, okay? And when they don't, all right, they go, oh, something's wrong, okay? So um, cadence or stride frequency is linked to your speed, mm -hmm. but also linked to how, how tall you are, okay? So if we take two people, someone like me who is 170, okay? And someone who is 185, 190, right? Um, yeah, like you, okay. So you will automatically, if we're running in the same way at the same uh, uh, speed, okay? You will take um, up to 12 to 14 strides per minute less than me because you've got a longer, longer reach, okay? So. Straight away, your stride frequency and my stride frequency, your cadence, are different, mm -hmm. right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, it's the also dependent, okay, on um, your technique, right? So if you, and I, I'll tell you um, something that a uh, few years back when the book Born to Run was in it, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, you know, about 2010, 2012. So a lot of millions of people had read it. Mm -hmm. And I was invited to go and do some work with a national triathlon federation, right? Because they were getting a lot of hamstring injuries. And um, they, uh, we went to a, I, they invited me to a two day workshop where all the athletes were going to be there. And I was going to do a presentation, do some coaching. So, I observed them training on the first day and they were all running 
tippy toe on their forefoot and trying to keep up a cadence of 180 to 190 strides per minute. Mm -hmm. And I said to the coach, what are they doing? They're all running like ducks. Tappy, tippy, tappy. I said, he said, yeah, we had this coach come in from uh, the States and he said, we're doing it all wrong. Uh, we all need to be running at a stride frequency between 185 and 190. And I said, what about the speed? He says, no, no, irrespective of the speed. So what happens? And I said, so where did all this come from? He said, oh, he said, that's the standard. So when you look back to where it first came from, um, Charles, uh, Jack Daniels, the, the running coach who's worked with a lot of elite athletes and work, used to work in college, uh, college levels in the States, he went uh, to the 1984 uh, Los Angeles Olympics and he sat and was watching some of his athletes, but all the qualifiers for the 1500 meters, right? And he, he made a, a note that they were all running in, in a cadence of more than 180 strides per minute. Mm -hmm. okay, and some of them were up to 195. So um, he made a note of that. And then when he was talking about it, he said, this is what happens. And then a few years uh, ago, about eight, nine years ago, um, this um, university uh, sports scientist, took six of his university's cross-country athletes, put them on a treadmill and run them at 20 to 21 kilometers an hour. Mm -hmm. right? and he said, wow, they're all running in cadences of excess than 185 to 190 strides per minute. Okay. He publishes this. Um, that's uh, good level athletes, right? Um, the triathlon community picks it up and goes, well, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. But they're running at a speed of 20 to 21 kilometers an hour. Okay. So it's linked to the speed. Mm -hmm. And it's also linked to how tall you are. So how long your limbs are. Right. So it's, if you look at the speed that an average recreational runner will run, right. So say between, 10 and 13 kilometers an hour, right? Um, because they'll do a, I don't know, 26, 27 minute half K, uh, a 5K. Um, they will average between 168 to 175, okay? Um, but they keep getting messages on their app or on their phone or on the internet saying, you need to increase it, mm -hmm. right? If they haven't got the right technique, and all they're doing is increasing the amount of times they're hitting the ground, then they're spending more time on the ground yeah. and, and there's more force going through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the key. Mm -hmm. If you look at how elite athletes train, okay, um, they never look at cadence. No. They say, why would I look at my cadence? I'm looking at my speed. Can I maintain this speed for the amount of uh, distance that I'm going to run, okay? And from there, their cadence is calculated, right? But they don't focus on cadence. They focus on running technique, okay? And if we take Mo Farah, for example, in his um, 
5K um, runs on the track, he can get to 204 to 214 strides per minute, okay? particularly in the last uh, 600, 800 meters. And the same for um, David Radisha, right? So what, they don't look at specific cadence. And I'll tell you why it's become so prevalent on the internet, because it's an easy thing to tell people, yeah. right? It is a big myth, right? but it's an easy thing to say to people, oh, you've got this injury. All you have to do is change your cadence, right? So run a little bit faster, okay? And that'll be fine. Yeah. Right? This, um, this is why I wanted to do a, a podcast about, about various aspects of, of running because a number of people ask me because I put things up on, on, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, not very often, but a lot of people ask you need to give me more, or tell me, you need to give more explanations. You, you should give more advice and tips. I'm like, I can't because one tip might help one person and then injure five or might help five, person, five people and injure one. Yeah. I want that one person to get injured. Um, and this is why running is, is it's, a, it's a holistic approach to running without trying yeah. to sound kind of airy-fairy, is you need to look at everything. You need to look at each person, not just give data points. Because yeah. then your your technique becomes your cadence or your technique becomes oh, getting off the ground quicker rather than yeah. a nice flowing, easy technique. And what your yeah. cadence is, your cadence is. And there's quite a few of these myths. I call them myths, okay? Um, around on the internet, because that's all people know. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is, particularly recreational runners or beginner runners, look at that and go, oh, I need to do that. Or people who want to improve a lot, mm -hmm. go, that's all I need to do, right? And as humans, we want the easy solution. So if I've got pain in my foot um, because of my running, then I'm going to do two things initially, right? I'm going to change my shoes because it says it's the shoe. Right? Yeah. By the way, shoes only pay, play 1% um, difference in your whole running technique element. And the second thing they go, oh, what's easy to change? I'll change my cadence. Mm -hmm. So I'll get a metronome, okay, on my phone. And while I'm running, I'll try and keep to that, okay? Mm -hmm. But if you don't look at your movement patterns, and you're running specific patterns and change those um, and look at everything from the bottom to the top. So using the arms and using the legs and you know mm -hmm. that the arms are very important to run, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not something that coaches coach. And it's often one of the hardest things to change for people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's often one of the first. In, in also, the same applies to walking. So if you're not using your arms correctly when you're walking, you have issues. If you're not using them correctly when you're running, you have issues. Right? So um, cadence is one of those um, that um, is out there on its own. A lot of physios and, and uh, therapists give it as advice. And it's inaccurate. It's yeah. very inaccurate. I had a I'll give you an interesting story of, um, and I, I love triathletes because they're good for business um, <laughs> yeah. and because they take their three sports really seriously. 
<laughs> so I had this, this I gentleman. Like they're willing to change and they're willing to do more than than a runner. Exactly. On, yeah. on, on average. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. The majority of them want to change and want to improve. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting about uh, triathlon is that if you look at the majority of people who take up triathlon, are people who didn't have the coordination skills when they were younger to play sport. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you look at the, the demographics, the majority of people um, didn't play sport. And suddenly they go, right, I'm now going to do running. But also, I'm going to do cycling. But I'm also going to do swimming. So going from no sports to three sports. Yeah. Um, and they're really keen in learning. So this gentleman um, said to me, I'm getting injured uh, all the time. And I'm not enjoying uh, my running. And actually, it's affecting my swimming and my cycling as well. So he comes in for an analysis um, really early um, in one uh, summer morning. And we discuss his history. And I said to him, okay, I'm gonna analyze you. I'm gonna video you. We're gonna do some functional movement and um, we'll see where the issues are. And he says to me, okay, I need a few minutes to get ready. And I said, you're in shorts. You got your, your trainers on and your teacher. Oh, no, no, no. I've got to set this watch to um, give me a cadence. And I've got to, I've got this, um, um, headphone in here which is linked to my phone which gives me a metronome so it helps me with that and then I have insoles in my shoes which again tell me whether I'm hitting the ground uh, um, harder on the left with the right and I'm look yeah I'm looking at him so he has two phones one uh, his watch on his left hand and another watch on his right hand mm -hmm. so he starts running uh, on the treadmill and he's running with limbs and arms all over the place. And I said, I, I said, oh, slow down, stop, stop it. He said, take everything off. He says, why? And he says, this is how I run. I said, this is why you're getting confused. I said, take everything off, we're going outside. Okay. So made him put the phones down. So he was running with a metronome, mm -hmm. okay? Which was at 185 strides per minute, wow. okay? He was listening, getting feedback from the insoles in the bottom of his shoes on uh, the other phone. And he was also getting something on his, uh, on his special phone, a special watch that he had on his hand. Right. So we took him outside and um, lovely green grass. And I said, okay, run from there to there. And he goes, so what cadence? Um, how do I need to run? I said, just run there and then run back. So he runs there, he runs back and I said, go again. And he goes, are you sure? And I said, yeah, just go there and go. And then when he comes back, I said, okay, now I want you to cycle your legs up a little bit, right? Just get your heels up and then go to there and run back. We did that about five or six times. Um, and then I said to him, okay, now we're going to change the arms, right? So I had him outside for about 50 minutes, just purely short runs, about a hundred meters. Okay. And he's, I said to him, how are you feeling? He says, I'm totally exhausted. I love it. This is the best fun I've had in years. <laughs> and I said, your technology yeah. is getting in the way of your brain correcting your movement patterns. Mm -hmm. And you're just thoroughly confused in yourself. Yeah. Not feeling. Signed up. 
Yeah, yeah. I said, you got to feel it. I said, when you're running outside, you've got to understand how it feels to run at a certain pace with a certain speed. And what your brain is trying to do is make those minor corrections. When you've got something coming to this ear, something coming to that ear, and then you're looking at your watch trying to stay at a certain cadence, that you're not running and you're definitely not enjoying it. Yeah. Right. Um, so he did the sessions and he broke five PBs in three months. Really? He's running PBs, yeah. And it improves his, his time on the bike and his swimming time as well. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. we were stimulating the nervous system. Yeah. And the speed. Yeah. So we're going to come to that in a second. So I'll just, we're, I don't want to labor the point on, on running technique too much. Okay. So yeah. I want to talk about some, some other things, um, specifics. But I think it was Kelly Storette I read this from. Maybe it was you. I've got a few people I read and listen to a lot of. Um, and I think he was talking about just, squatting and movement in general but he was talking about you know if you layer load you know distance speed intensity on top of suboptimal mechanics you know yeah. you're in for a you're in for a problem at some point you know and we all as therapists you know we've we see people in the gym and things doing poor squatting technique and you know there's no problems but over time and as you increase load and weight and things you're you're gonna you're gonna either reach a limit of what you're capable of very early or you're gonna get injured and I, this is the way i see running technique as in a in a broad thing when people say should i change should i not change because i know there's there's a lot of people out there who who say don't touch running technique a lot of a lot of physios i don't want to call them old school physios but people in another camp what do you what do you say to those people, if anything at all? <laughs> yes, it's not just physios. It's also a lot of coaches, a lot of running coaches, right? They and and they're the people who don't understand. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's as simple as that. They don't know the subject. Mm -hmm. The majority of coaches coach volume and distance, right? Mm -hmm. So this is how much you're going to run, and this is uh, how many times you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. okay? But if we, and people like to uh, relate stuff back to elite athletes, if you look at elite athletes, all elite athletes, or the majority of elite athletes, work on their running technique. Mm -hmm. And there's certain characteristics yeah. that elite athletes have who run fast, who run long, who are the, the world champions and the gold medalists. Mm -hmm. And that is they have a, a big high uh, heel cycle and their arms are moving backwards to propel them forward. Okay, not, that's not all they do because they put in so much work mm -hmm. to make sure that they can run at a certain speed for a certain distance for a certain time. Okay, And that's to do with the training. Mm -hmm. but those people who say you don't touch um, running technique because that's the way you were born with it, mm -hmm. okay, do not know what they're talking about. Yeah. Right? And don't know how to change technique. That's why they say don't touch it. Because okay. um, the wrong thing or these little tips creates yeah. a problem. Yeah. So, and, and, and this is the interesting thing. They didn't start relating injuries, running injuries, right, with running technique until a few years ago, until about seven, eight years ago, the first um, uh, research which was linking 
how we were running with the type of injuries that we were getting. And we know from seeing tens of thousands of people and other coaches as well, that there's some typical running movement patterns that cause certain injuries. So, and if you change those and change the technique, you're spending less time on the ground, you're spending more time moving over the ground and therefore there's less stress going through the foot, the shin, the knee, the hip and the lower back. Okay, and therefore there's less injuries. Yeah. When we're talking about non-contact injuries. Yeah, and this brings us smoothly into what I want to talk about, which is the one of the coolest things about um, your methodology, which is the DMS, Dynamic Movement yeah. Skills. Every client I work with, you know, how many of you know, five, six, seven running clients a day maximum. Um, every single one of them, I can find some hilarious patterns coming out when we start stimulating that nervous system and working on their coordination. Can you tell us a bit about the, the DMS system and why it's so good. Um, you had a great, you've got a great uh, description in the book actually, which didn't make it more clear to me, more clear to me, but actually I'm going to try and um, translate that into German because I think it works. It's, it's really nice. It's just the, the stiffness and the elasticity as one in, in the legs. Um, yeah. you know, what, what needs to be stiff? What needs to be elastic? Where the power needs to come from? Where it doesn't need to come from? And it's something you can't teach with a few exercises. And you can't teach with phrases. And you can't teach with while someone's running, which is a, which is a key point, which yeah. is why we do so much on the mats. So, sorry, tell us a little bit about <laughs> how it started, how, how you worked on it and, and, and what it does. Yeah, so um, how it started, uh, totally by accident. Um, uh, I started these footwork drills um, when I was, I think I was 22, so it was, must have been, uh, 1980, 1981, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was coaching a semi-pro football team and uh, our pitch, our training ground had a tendency to flood mm -hmm. when we, um, uh, when it rained a lot and it rains a lot in England. Um, so we used to go into the car park and we used to do drills, footwork drills and jumps over the lines on the car park. Um, and the players used to say, Mike, we're really, really sharp and energetic and buzzing. They used to say when we do those exercises on a Thursday and then we play on a Saturday. I used to go, yeah, yeah, it's because we're not working hard enough. <laughs> um, it was years later when I started putting the movements together and I tried them with a firefighter who had serious back injury and it started to shift the pain from where he had it to different places and we were doing two movements we we're just doing the footwork forwards and backwards and it was shifting his sciatic pain right and then after about 20 minutes it disappeared um but i started really looking at what's happening with the sensors at the bottom of the feet and really studying the proprioceptive system. And we're talking here, you know, um, uh, late eighties, early nineties, um, the internet was not the internet. All we had was email. So I couldn't just go Google this, um, Google, tell me what's going on here. Um, 
So I started looking at the proprioceptive system. And it is, long story short, because I learned more about it afterwards when, when I started studying it, is that our, we have sensors at the bottom of the feet, mm -hmm. which send a message to the brain, and the brain sends a message down to make any corrections. But our proprioceptive system does a number of things. First and foremost, we are gravitational animals, right? So we need stress, mm -hmm. okay? And we're standing up animals for want of a, a better way of explaining it. And so what our interaction with the ground is really, really important in walking and in running. So what happens when people get injured and they get into habits of walking and running in a certain way is the brain physically changes the map that it has with the neural pathways that it fires to get us moving along. Okay. So what happens is two things happen. The brain to protect us switches off neural pathways and goes, I'm only going to use these big muscle groups to propel me forward. Okay, because I'm associating pain or interaction with it. Okay. So what then happens, it changes the movement map and it fires in a certain way. Okay. Now, when you're coming back from, a, from an injury, you need to replicate what you're going to be doing when you're running. Right. But if you start running straight away, as most of us have found out, is we will then get re-injured either on the opposite side or in exactly the same place, right? So you need to change a number of things. You need to first and foremost, get the messaging from the sensors at the bottom of the feet and from the, the sensors in our, in our arms as well, to the brain and back again, to make that interaction with the ground more efficient. Yeah. That's the first thing, right? Tuned in. Yeah, tuned in, right? So it changes that and that's, through repetition, and that can happen pretty quickly in that the brain understands what's going on and it can change how hard we hit the ground okay, and how frequently we hit the ground. Mm. Second uh, thing is, yeah. And are you, do you give, I know the answer to this, do you yeah. give a lot of instruction for this, for all the, all the rehab that you do? Um, yeah. Is there a lot of, oh, no, do this, do that, you need to engage this or specific with the DMS, because this is important for people to realize, I think. Yeah, so there's some cues and some instructions, um, but you don't want to confuse people too much. So there's some basic instructions on how to do the fine movement, mm -hmm. right? And how to control the body, right? And they go from, as you know, a series of footwork drills to a series of double leg jumps to a series of single leg jumps. Yeah. Um, and then there's the whole rehab um, process as well. Um, so you need to uh, give the cues to make the corrections, right? Because you're correcting biomechanics and you're correcting how we hit the ground. And that is important when you then translate it to walking, running, sprinting, and longer distances. But well. effectively, essentially, sorry, you're, you're giving the cues so that the body can learn. And that's what the DMS for me does. It's you give the cues and then the body's trying to figure out, trying to learn and trying to get that automatically. 
and because it's a whole body thing to to whole muscular nervous system thing. Yeah. So what 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 we have to remember is that the key to everything is the brain, mm-hmm. right? So the brain has um, a number of uh, functions that it carries out, right? So some of them it passes on to reflexive behavior, right? So once you've done something enough times, it goes, okay, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to create a map that goes straight to that, and that's what's going to happen, right? And some scientists and some medical um, uh, professionals, much, much cleverer than I am, say that is, those are the, the dumb instructions, right? Because the brain goes, that's what we do. That's what we always do. That's what we're always going to do, mm-hmm. right? But it could be those reflexive behavior um, uh, movements that are causing the injury, mm-hmm. right? When you have to change a movement, then you have to concentrate and you have to do it correctly to relearn. So one of the things that our proprioceptives and our proprioceptive system does is changes the feedback that goes to the brain and then it synchronizes the muscles. It synchronizes the movement left side and right side and dominant side and non-dominant side and it makes it more efficient. And then we spend less time on the ground. So you've got to change the movement map in the brain. So when we move, it's really simple. It's not simple, but I'll explain it in a simple way. The brain goes, okay, Mike wants to move. And I described this in the book, pick something up. So nervous system, you need to get ready. And it calls upon the neurons. And then the neurons fire the muscle and the muscle does the movement. But it all comes from a map in the brain, a motor engram, as we call it. But we also have movement maps in certain parts of the body because that's the reflexive behavior. Okay? So the brain says, oh, you know how to pick up a glass of water, right? Um, so we don't have to think about that when we reach to pick something up, we pick it up. But if you then have a shoulder injury, okay, and you can't reach over, what you're going to do is you're going to turn and you're going to shift forward and bring it back, right? So now the brain's going, okay, well, think about this because this has changed. Mm-hmm. Right? This movement has changed. So you keep doing that for hundreds of repetitions and the brain will go, okay, there's your new movement, Mike, yeah. when you're trying to reach for, with this hand because it doesn't move. So it changes it, switches off parts of it that are associated with pain, and it goes, yeah, there's your new movement. You repeat it enough times, that's now reflexive behavior. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give the, our listener or listeners um, a good example of that because I I was a rugby player for many years and had a few or a number of ankle injuries when I was 18, 19, which probably definitely led to my uh, prolapse disc when I was 34, um, because of the way I was moving. But yeah, we, we fixed the back. But then a few years later, I started getting ankle pain. And after two years of ankle pain, we finally, or a year ago, ultrasounds and, and x-rays and things. And we found that uh, I had bone spurs and all sorts of 
scar tissue. I'd broken my ankle at some point and never knew, just played on. Um, and so I've been through two and a half years for sure um, of, of ankle pain. You know, every day, literally every day, ankle pain. And I finally, last year, got the, the final surgery, which got rid of this, this scar tissue, and I could start to really improve. Um, and the problem I had was, was the ankle stuff was actually, you know, step by step getting better, um, stronger for, for just daily life. Uh, but the problems I was having was knee pain and back pain again, because every morning I was limping until I did my hour of therapy. But then an hour later, my, my ankle would be tight again and I'd be limping again. And I was getting up from a chair with my left, left my left leg. And that's been the hardest thing. And I've, I've done a few videos for, for, for clients that I post on Instagram. And I'm, I'm watching myself. We'll probably see it here. Um, I'm always like this, left, yeah. uh, left side of my abdominals, just completely shut off into this, you know, limped position. I only saw it until I, when, I, when I did these videos and it's just completely automatic. Um, and that's, that's been my challenge for the last six months has been trying to just fix this daily movement before I can think about retraining again um, for running. Which I am, which is and, good. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is one of the things that I say to people, particularly when we run the courses for therapists and and coaches, is that people think that running, oh, you just go outside and you go and run. Okay, and that's true. Mm -hmm. People can do that, but if you take running seriously and you want to improve, or you've got injured, or you're planning to be an elite athlete, or your kids and you're teaching, then there's a lot more to it than that. Mm -hmm. so we have certain joints which are predominantly mobile joints and certain joints which are predominantly stability joints okay. they do a lot of other things as well um so what happens particularly with ankles and particularly with people who've gone over on their ankles and i see this a lot with footballers rugby players american footballers basketball players dancers mm -hmm. you get something called chronic ankle instability Right? because it hasn't rehabilitated correctly because there wasn't a proprioceptive element to it. So what happens is you go, you sprain your ankle, you go over, you wait until the pain goes, can I do this? Yeah, I'll do a little bit more. Can I do that? I'll do a little bit more. But you haven't retrained the interaction with the ground. Right? And then every time you try and push it or step outside your center of gravity, it goes again. Because what happens is the brain, again, to change things, goes from there's too much mobility in this ankle, so I want to stiffen it, okay? And then without thinking it, and most of the times the re-injury is when you're not concentrating on where you're putting your feet because you're doing other things, that's when you get it. And if you have more than two or three ankle sprains, then you get what we call chronic ankle instability. And that affects the motor unit in the foot. And then that starts to change things further up because if that doesn't move, then the hip, which is the other major mobile joint, starts to affect stuff, okay? Because the knee will only go backwards and forwards, right? 
but the 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 ankle and the hip are really very very mobile joints and they should be mobile mm -hmm. so they start to get affected and then what we do is we brace with the upper thoracic because we can't control what's going on further down and then you get this whole chain of people going from oh i had an ankle injury but that's okay but now i'm getting injured on my opposite hip and now i'm really tight on the opposite shoulder yeah. because it's a kinetic chain right and we are um um cross lateral movers so we move right arm left leg and vice versa that's the way the brain fires the nervous system that's the way the nervous system fires the muscle mm -hmm. um and if if there's an interruption to to one then you will you will definitely get an interruption normally it's opposite and diagonal but it could be anything yeah. with the human body. It's one of the most interesting things, you know, since 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 I first met you to to today. You know, all the other things I learned about movement from from yourself and from from other people is just going back in time on my own body. You know, doing experiments on my own body and go bloody hell, yeah! You can see exactly. Not that I had a lot, but could see exactly the things I was doing wrong and, and, and why. One of the funniest things is I was always known, you know, as being uh, just slow running for a, for a fly half, you know, spectacularly slow, off the mark. Um, you know, when we, when we did training, we did 5Ks and Ks, and, you know, I could always run very well up the front. Um, but when I was thinking about my ankles for the last few years, I remember people saying I was really fast when I was 16, 17. I remember starting on the wing for our first 15 when I was like 17. Yeah. And by the time I was 25, no one would put me on the wing. That would be a foolish decision. <laughs> God, I think I was quite fast. No, no, nothing amazing. But I used to run like I was in mud, running in mud the whole time. So it was this was this overstride. My, my, my ankles, my feet, they just needed so much more time on the ground. Um, to to get to 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 do what they needed to do to take the next step, um, yeah. and so now I'm I'm now training as of two weeks ago, officially, for a for a half Ironman, <laughs> um, and my my training regime is a lot of strength, um, a lot of sort of CrossFit you know strength sort of movements but intense, more interval sort of running. And a lot of DMS, a lot of DMS. That is, that is the thing that I'm just, you know, I'm spending 20, 30 minutes before I do a workout doing DMS because that's what I need to do. Working on my interaction with the ground because I know now that's a weak point, but I know that that's in my body. That's because of my ankles. That's going to be, that's yeah. good. Where I need to. And, and, you know, for, for those people who say you can't teach running techniques, 80% of kids don't know how to run. Right? Only 20% are natural athletes, as, as they say. And particularly when they go through major growth spurts and the kids are really getting bigger and bigger these yep. days. Right? Um, if you don't retrain their movements when their nervous system is really plastic, right? so under the age of 16, and show them, give them body control and coordination, then they will avoid not just sport, but they will avoid physical fitness because it's physically painful for them to move. Okay? 
and because they cannot walk. And we see this a lot. We see kids in, you know, from 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old yeah. who have got difficulty moving. They did sport, they weren't very good at sport or got injured at sport, and then they can't run. And then they start to adapt how they move and that's causing them more issues as well yeah um, and going back to the the layering on load distance speed and on top of suboptimal mechanics working with kids yeah. you get them running well knowing how yeah. it feels to run well and then they they start to fly yeah. and they start to really improve it's you know what? I know it, well. it gives, gives them a lot of gives them a lot of self confidence. Yeah. When they know they can achieve it. Yeah. And it's a life skill. Yeah. I've got a got a young boy coming out from Vienna out to see me at the moment. He's nine, maybe young footballer. Um, for the first few sessions, you know, he he kind of, you know, doing the DMS, you know, yeah. awful, but. God, the effort he was putting in, but he just the coordination wasn't there, the bounce wasn't there. On the treadmill, doing the first some of the drills, he kind of fell off, you know, just missed his foot off the side, and you know, never smiling and you know, hugging dad at some points. So we did a fifth session on what's last Saturday. You know, we had him running at 20 kilometers an hour and looking great. I must say, I was I'm surprised, but he's done the work. You can see it and. He comes in smiling now, and that's the one of the coolest things. Um, one of the yeah. coolest clients I've yeah. had just came in, just wants to play football, wants to be good. Dad, you know, we you'll you know, there's a lot of pushy parents. Dad is is great, just chills out, sits there on his phone, and just takes some videos here and there. But this kid is just. Whew, I'm really looking forward to see how he, how he gets on in succession. But the best thing about living in Austria is a lot of these kids come with or a lot of these adults come with 10 sessions you know um so instead of doing six sessions i i can say okay there's four left we can still make improvements and so they're, they're already keen they're all already signed up for the yeah. speed work so it's great yeah. but working with kids it's definitely the way forward yeah good um, okay last thing specifically on running technique i want to talk about the kinetic chain Okay, a little yeah. bit more. Um, you know, over the past few years, glute activation has become the big thing. I'll give you a brief story about a triathlete in Scotland who I said, yeah, you're not really using your glutes and hamstrings when you run. It's, um, that's why you're getting injured and that's why you're overstriding. And I see just as many people with problems that run forefoot that, that run heel strike. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's the thing, for us as coaches and therapists, we, we cannot be fixated with what, this is the way you do it, you do it my way or you go that way, right? Everyone is different. Mm -hmm. And this is what I, I, I teach my coaches, my rehab guys, is right, what have you got in front of you right here, right now, yeah. okay? How are they moving every day? I know I discover how much I don't know. Yeah. And I've been doing this, I've been doing this for 40 odd years, right? And every day I'm going, shit, I don't know that. No, no, I need to learn more about that. I need to learn more about that. And we shouldn't be getting obsessed, but we should be looking at everyone as an individual. Right? Sure. And that takes a little bit of time, more time, but it also takes 
knowing how the body works and how particularly the stuff we can't see. So the brain, the nervous system and the proprioceptive system, how that has an effect on our movement. Yeah. Yeah. So one, one of the things I love about the, the DMS uh, system and on our methodology is, is exactly that. It's like you can, you can hear these, these differences in the landing sometimes, depending on the shoes. Yeah. And I've got a number of clients who in the past who have had other running analysis done with all sorts of gadgets and gizmos and force plates and X, not x-rays, infrared cameras and things. Um, and what the DMS system does is it gives you this real-time in-person um, yeah. you know, results yeah, of and that you can take and say, like, this is what's happening. This is why you run like this. So it's not yeah. just look at this data graph of how you land. It is, you know, we can see that, we can hear that. Wow, that's, that's incredible. We need to change this. Um, rather than lots of too much information, too much, too much data points. Because the way you, we do the analysis is very different to what people think a running analysis is. Is that, is that correct? And you get people lost uh, who are like, where's the, where's the big fancy yeah. and things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and interesting, I had an elite athlete come in last week and um, she said to me, I went to this place, I won't say any names, um, where they've got um, 3D um, cameras and software everywhere. And they um, uh, did an analysis on me uh, an hour and a half, right? They videoed her 20 seconds from the side, um, took a long time to do some assessments, lying down and looking at or every single limb. And then they said to her, here's a bunch of graphs. This tells you everything where you're wrong. Right? Um, and um, they gave her stretching exercises <laughs> to fix the problem. Right? They gave her 10 stretching exercises. And she said to them, so are these specific to me? And they, they said, no, no, these are generic for all runners. So they spend a lot of money. They give a wad of thick graphs, okay? But they don't know how to fix the problem. Yeah. Okay? And that is, that is one of the biggest issues is that it's not just about being able to analyze with graphs and, and fancy, sexy software. Mm -hmm. It's about, can you fix the problem? Can you fix this particular athlete or runner or kid right? by changing their biomechanics? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we do really, really well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, great. So um, we touched on it. So this podcast is, it's about learning about the different aspects of running, okay? Um, about being a good coach or about being a good athlete and what people need to need to do. So, and, and for me, I, I know my limitations. Um, they infuriate me, but I'm willing to learn. <laughs> so what is, what, what, what do you have still to learn? Is what are the, what are the things that annoy you every day? Because I know we, you learn from every every client you see. You say you you learn from because everybody is different. Is there? Yeah. 
Um, what is still to learn for Mike? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and you um, so, so much, so much. Because there, there isn't enough time to learn everything. Right? Mm. And this, as I said, there's some brilliant people out there with some brilliant technology and some brilliant um, uh, methodologies as well. I'm, and I'm not one of these people that go, right, you either work with my methodology or mm -hmm. uh, uh, nobody else's. Um, I like to learn from people. Yeah. But one of the things that I learned is not to get frustrated from not knowing something, mm -hmm. but to use that um, to learn more. Yeah. Because you've got to be in the moment, right? particularly when you're working with someone. You've got to be there present. and You've got to go, okay, what have I got in front of me right here, right now? What am I trying to achieve? How can I help this person? Right. And that's why I call it the 80-20 rule, right? So we use 20% of the time to, co to correct the biomechanics right, in walking and running, because that will give them um, a big um, advantage in progress, right? And particularly stop the pain. And then it may take us another 80% of that time to just fix the little things mm -hmm. as well. But I've learned, and I used to get very frustrated that I couldn't fix people straight away, right? But you learn that the human body is a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And it's about not just one thing, but learning there's a number of things that you need to be putting together. We haven't talked, spoken about breathing. We haven't spoken about nutrition. We haven't spoken about um, types of training. And about breathing, well, just briefly, because you know it's it seems to have blown up a little bit on you know breathing technique and the benefits of of breathing. And uh, um, I know in our course with with you, we talked about breathing, but you know more as a rhythm. People, some people use it too much as rhythm. Um, yeah. for people not at all and so do you follow these sorts of ooh, rabbit holes and try to go down them a little bit deeper or um i i study them mm -hmm. okay and i study different techniques mm -hmm. um but again people have different requirements right mm -hmm. so you have people who've had a lot of pain a lot of injury for a lot a long time what they need is not a whole re-education of, of breathing. They need to learn how to breathe through the nose to get to um, get the right amount of oxygen in and then how to breathe out, right? And more importantly, if you have someone who's had pain, you will inevitably get someone who has um, um, a little bit of depression, let's say, right? And that can come through the breathing or anxiety, right? Yeah. Um, and that affects the breathing. So they start to breathe very shallow, okay, and very quickly. And it's just the process of teaching them. It's a little bit of meditation. Yeah, cool. Thank you, Thank you very much um, for joining us today in the first podcast. Um, so Mike has a new book out. So Mike and the Running School are doing courses throughout the year every year on functional biomechanics of running, on dynamic movement skills or, or movement repatterning, it's called, I believe. Uh, 
and you can also do the long longer term course to to learn to be a um, certified running technique specialist but this year finally we've got who taught you how to run by mike antonidas which is a great book actually you know um the first i don't know how many the first half of it is is really getting into a lot of what we've talked about today um along with mike's own background story into his into his running how he he, he got into it um he talked more about my injuries and his injuries um today but it's a really great book um a lot about running technique a lot about exercises and strength and work um so i really thought i'd recommend that it's, for me it's been a great read as well um every time i speak to mike i pick up something new and a little tip or trick that i have never even thought of or forgot about so it's it really is well worth a buy and well worth getting it sent out to you to austria <laughs> and, thank you mike and great so mike Thank you very much um, for that. That was great. Sorry to take up so much of your time. The last mm -hmm. thing to say is that we are going to be putting on a functional biomechanics of running course in Vienna in 2022, finally, after two years. And it's going to be on the 28th, 29th of May at Sudstadt. Um, so who knows when I'll get this podcast finished and sent out there, but hopefully before then, and um, so please do come along and join join us join mike as he'll he'll put everybody through their paces um, and explain show teach coach um effective running technique um, and how to analyze it um analyze movement so thank you very much mike it's a pleasure thank you no problem and we'll um we'll see you soon Thanks very much again to Mike for coming on the very first episode and setting the bar very high for future guests and episodes. I'm sure we could talk to Mike every week about every topic, such as the depth of knowledge and experience he has, but he's a busy man, so we don't think we want to bother him every week. Just to wrap up, I'd say probably what the most important thing to think about when talking about running technique is, is that there is a perfect running technique, but that perfect running technique is very individual to you. You know, depending on your, your level of fitness, your body composition, limb length, and your goals, to name a few, then add to that previous injury, lack of use, bad habits, and it's, it's a very, very individual process, which requires a very individual analysis, and then even more important, individual retraining. Now, we can't teach good mechanics on a podcast, obviously, or even on, you know, so, social media, Instagram. Um, but we, what we can do is highlight the importance of good mechanics and improving mechanics to enable you to move better, to run faster um, and remain injury free. For more information on running technique or how to find a running school near you, visit runningschool.com. And you can also follow um, them on The Running School on Instagram. And you can also follow us here at The Running School Austria. And we are at Run Austria. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And tune in next time when we'll be talking in a bit more detail about foot and calf health with podiatrist and runner and member of the Foot Collective, Andy Bryant. Thanks for listening.